Welcome to Standout Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness. My name's Ali Hill, and as a psychologist, I love asking people questions. And I thought, what better way to do this than to get the people I admire into a studio to share their stories? This podcast is our corner of the world where all of us can dive deep into what it takes to live a standout life. Andy is a pastoral skateboarding accountant. I did ask him the obvious question in our conversation, why study accounting? Which you'll hear the answer to as I chat with Andy. Andy lives his life with the philosophy that it's our responsibility to help others and that when we do, we end up being gifted so much to our own lives. It is this philosophy that has guided his work for the past 21 years. Andy is the founder and CEO of Red Frogs Australia, a program supporting young people. Red Frog's mission is to provide a positive peer presence in alcohol-fueled environments where young people gather. They aim to educate young people on safe partying behaviours and with their random acts of pancakes, as an example, they often try to give them something else to do. Their branding came purely by accident when Andy found that having a bowl of Red Frogs became the gateway to connecting with youth at risk. Red Frogs is now the largest supporting network in Australia for schoolies, festivals and universities, and they have gone international with their work. We chatted about Andy's drive in the work that he does and how he manages his energy even after 21 years at the coalface, and why the value of sitting and connecting with others can be life-changing. Be ready for something to spark a change in you as you hear from Andy Gawley. Andy, great to have you in studio. Mate, it is a really cool studio, by the way. I love the lamp in the corner. I know, I know. It's like bringing the 70s back to one yeah. time. I don't know how retro. Oh, I love retro. It's so good. good. And the carpet. Yeah. We could break out into a bit of music here at any moment. Yeah, great. I bought my drum kit, so that'd be yeah. fantastic. Excellent. <laughs> I would promise to sing, but I promise you, you don't want to hear that. Uh, sure. <laughs> Andy, you describe yourself as a pastoral skateboarding accountant. I have to ask the obvious question. Yeah. Why accountancy? <laughs> oh, it's the first subject I failed at school in of year course. 10. And then uh, my teacher pulled me aside and said, you know, look, Goulet, what pull your socks up, mate, and uh, otherwise you could you, know, you could end up repeating a year. And that scared me. That was like brown undies time. That was like, oh, no. What year was this? Uh, that was year 10. Okay. And then uh, so I worked really hard at it, became good at it, and then uh, it ended up being on my top uh, marks by year 12. And then uh, I thought I'd go the full way and do a Bachelor of Business Accountancy at QUT. And then uh, it's been, been an amazing journey because um, I had a real privilege of uh, winning the Alumni Award for my business school only a couple of years ago. So I really proved the point now. I was about that to I... say, did you go back to your Year 10 student <laughs> yeah, um, teacher yeah, see and this say? Now? Yeah, I've really proved it. It's taken me a long time, but I finally did it. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you again where someone has gone, you're about to fail at this and you double down on it? Is that a bit of a yeah, trait I, of yours? Yeah, I think uh, I'm very – I think lack is opportunity. So I think that where an area is really lacking or nothing's being done or there's a gap rather than my instinct is, well, how can I do that or how can I get better at that or how can I – improve another person's situation or, or myself through that as well. So I, I think I like a challenge for sure. I like a challenge. And so when I get a no, it's like, oh, okay, where's the yes? So yeah. for me, it's <laughs> not like, only yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. we're going to go to the top of the class. Uh, absolutely, dominate it. Where do you think that comes from? You know, I guess looking back to your upbringing and, and even as you said, where, where mm. I can see that there is a gap and something needs to be done, so I'll jump in and do it. Um, a lot of people will see the gap, but they won't necessarily follow through with the effort. Where, where does that come from for you? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I know with my heritage too, my, my dad was the national coach for billiards and snooker in Australia and coached a lot of, he was a really good uh, rep cricketer. And my uncle's also one of the Queensland coaches for tennis and was a very good tennis player. And my auntie's uh, into music and was a flute teacher. So I think um, that sort of sporting side, although I'd never excelled at any sport, I was very just making teams if making them. 
But at that competitive nature, and I think being a Queenslander too, eh, in origin, we just don't like to lose. No. We've got, we've got this mongreliness that just wants to prove you wrong, you know, and that thing. So I think I've got a little bit of Queensland mongrel in me that yeah. that, that you can use for good and not for evil. And you've but, been uh, okay this year? Given, oh, like, look, given look you know, you know t- two out of 13 is not too bad. So I think, you know, that's still pretty good percentages. And yeah. uh, look, New South Wales, one in a row, well done. That's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I am New South Wales support. Even though I live in Queensland, it's been a tough 13 years. Yeah, it has been, yeah. So, look, look, no, get credit with credit's due. They've had a great side this year, very well coached. So they're always tight games. They've been a lot tighter than what they think over the years. But as you say, you sort of tap into that, that Queensland, um, it's almost that Australian underdog yeah. um, spirit that obviously yeah, hey. was embedded in, in your family and in the way people turned up. Yeah, yeah, I hate, hate to lose. I probably learned a lot of that playing chess uh, when I was year five, uh, joined the chess team. And you, when you play really good players that are more skillful than you, and and I guess also growing up around uh, Australian representative snooker players, like uh, the top break in snooker is 147, but they give you like 100 start and then you try to beat them. But I learnt ways on how to stuff up their game to, to, wreck the, to send the black ball up the end of the table so they couldn't get high breaks on me so I could beat them. So it's learning how to win with limited resources because I'm not a really talented person by nature. I'm very average. Every score was 51% at school, uh, never excelled at any sport. And so I wasn't as talented as a lot of people around me. So but in that, you can use what you have and still get a win. And so it's learning how to win with not much. But they're also learning some keys in that and the power of little things are are great. I think some people look at the big gifted and talented and even around speaking, I do a lot of public speaking, but that just scares me. That's like brown undies time again, you know, (laughs) like it's not a natural thing for me. But I've just had to learn just take what you do have and just do that well. Don't try to become someone you're not and compare yourself to others. And I think you get in a lot of trouble when you start doing that. So that took a lot of years to learn. And when you're young, you don't quite understand that. And you can get into a lot of insecurity and doubt and fear and, and then comparisons and and then do dumb stuff to try to be approved, you know, get approval from others. But I think when you get to that stage where you're comfortable that that you are unique and and you have a role to play in this big picture and that, that and, and that you're okay, I think once you hit that, then you can start having big wins. It's so interesting, that comparison game. And I think every single, like 100% of us do it in a whole range of different areas. But to get to that point where I'm okay with who I am, in actual fact, my uniqueness is the thing that's intriguing to other people. That's, um, I think for all of us, it's just a really beautiful reminder. You touched on keynote speaking and and, and speaking, mm. and you do a lot of that mm. now, obviously, um, with your connection with Red Frogs, and we'll talk about that a little bit in a moment. But yeah, what have been some of those small changes? Because you touched on like if I can do something yeah. small, those those little things, it doesn't have to yeah. be overwhelming. All of it. When it comes to speaking, it hasn't been your natural yeah. element. What have been some of the small things that have helped you even on that stage? Well, you see, I sort of listen to some very good speakers, and and some people are just very gifted. They're just so natural with everything. And I think that if you try to mimic someone, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble because Aussies can pick pick a fake straight away. They just see. Oh, through. we have very very high oh, bullshit meters. We really do. We are so skilled at it. And so the biggest thing is just to be yourself. And so I didn't try this big, I'm going to be a really powerful big speaker. I just get up on stage and go, how you going? G'day, my name's Andy. Just keep it low, keep it chatting. Just bring it back into your zone. And I think if you get outside of your lane, you get in trouble. But just know just who you are, your own stories, and just try to be relatable. And I think people have really connected to that too because it's you're not trying to upnote yourself, you're not trying to be bigger than what you are. And Aussies love that down to earth, they love that real. But also to keep it really simple too, I found that in public speaking to not get, you know, there's some great theory out there, but then put it in English, please. It communicated in normal language. There's so much theories and three messes to this and five steps to this and 27 steps to this and programs to this. But, you know, the, the more simple it is sometimes, the, the more easy it is to then achieve things. Yeah, I think that's critical around what is it that I'm going to do? What am I actually going to take away? So I've asked you about the accounting and why you got into that. What about the skateboarding? Yeah, well, I had uh, some mates up the road, the Melvilles, and uh, 
Uh, they, uh, I used to ride the old little skinny boards that are known as pennies now and um, uh, skated from a young age. When the wide boards came in and, and that revolution, uh, the boys up the road used to come past in their HQ Holden and we'd wait out the front and jump in the back of this Holden. They'd take us skating like, you know, the Chandler Velodrome and Slimies down at Springwood and all these random banks in these tennis courts and these random places and it was awesome being around these older blokes as a 14, 15 year old and then we bought, built one of the uh, premium ramps in Brizzy back in the day called the Happy Ramp in Brisbane so there's only two major parks and then the Happy Ramp back in the day and became really a famous sort of half pipe in, in Brizzy. Uh, so yeah, just getting into that but but again that, um, yeah, it was again something that uh, I love downhill, love sort of pushing myself into the the downhill and, and just the, the cruising aspect. I can't only to save my life, you know, I'm a useless trick <laughs> But I just, yeah, just love, love the skating and uh, that, that, that passion actually has served me well and it's been a big part of why Red Frogs exist today as well. So what's the connection between skate, skating and mm. Red Frogs? Like what, where did they, those two kind of concepts come together? Oh, definitely. After skating for about four or five years, I ended up uh, finding myself, I um, uh, started to go to church and a local church in my neighbourhood and, and that was a sort of a real massive turnaround experience for me where... Was there an impetus to go to church or was there someone that kind of connected you? Yeah, absolutely. One of my best mates uh, started going along and I, I really watched him. I was, he was my best mate since year five, you know, like he, you know, he was a bit of a legend at school and, and you know, great first 15 rugby player, great cricketer, you know, just... One of those one of, Yeah, yeah, but he was my mate, <laughs> yeah, a really good mate. So, yeah. and he looked after me at school, you know, one of the best fighters at school too, so no one picked on me, which was great. Um, but yeah, but he, uh, he started going to church and I watched how he treated the girls changed, his language changed, how he treated his mum changed and watched him over two years and, and saw some really positive stuff in him. He invited me to church. I was, you know, never been to church in my lifetime, but, um, yeah, but it was an amazing experience because I had a very much perception of the, the American, you know, rah, rah, and we're after your money and all that rubbish. And, but going into it and seeing how amazing the church in Australia is through their welfare programs and homelessness and education systems and hospital systems and nursing systems and undergirding so much of Australia's infrastructure and without that volunteer army of people that give absolutely with no strings attached day after day and, and hundreds of thousands of us, incredible. And how burgered our nation would be without it. But all we see is some predator, you know, that infiltrates the church and they're up on media and da-da-da. So it really messed with my worldview, really, uh, you know, made me less judgmental and and, and that. But then I, I had, a, you know, started to explore this Christianity thing and had a real faith turn around. And for me, it was like my core belief system was, well, life's not just about you, Andy. It's actually about others as well. And it's not about you, your accounting career, your, you know, to go after a black BMW partnership, just your Reds membership. It's actually about others too. So I started doing skateboarding clubs in my local area. I was just, just driving past 7-Eleven one night and all these feral skaters were there setting fire to something down the box, <laughs> down the side alley. And I just sort of felt, oh, better go back to these little punks. They're going to get in trouble by the police and I ripped my car and I said, boys, want to go to Paddo for a skate? And I went, yeah, awesome. So we took off the Paddo, went for a skate and just started doing that week after week and connecting with these young kids. And then I'd bring some of my mates in to help out and, you know, I'd meet them at this local skate park and some nights would be like three would rock up and others would be 35 would rock up. So I'd ring my mates from church with their cars, come pick them up. And so we started these skate clubs around Brizzy and we did that I did that for about three years and then, then over the next five years we started another five of these sort of youth clubs around and we saw some really good changes Look, look and, look, you can't live someone's life for them. You can only do what you do and I think sometimes we can get sucked into this incredible need and we get burnt out in that process but you can only do what you can do and then hopefully they, they make good decisions in that process if you're there long enough. Is that a realisation you came too early? Because I, I imagine with that compassionate heart as well and and wanting to, yeah, see the challenges that some of these kids were, were living in and, and facing, um, you want to be able to do what you can. Yeah. Um, but then to be able to discern, okay, this is this is the bit I can do. Yeah. And I can be here every Friday. Yeah. What happens between Fridays? I can't live that 
part for them. Was that was that a, a hard realisation to get to or was that always something? Yeah, no, those boundaries probably took about five years to discover because I think that you can get emotionally involved and your emotions can run into it. I want to fix everything. Oh, mm. I want to try to fix it and be the answer and do this and be super passionate about it. But you quickly realise that you don't have all the answers, that you're only part of a bigger answer. But but as a as a team, as a society, and as as when you connect to more and more people around you, you can have a bigger answer than what you do now. And so, probably I learned over about a five year period that I, I'm pretty limited in what I can do. But if I connect to others, I can have a much more bigger impact and people mm. with different skill sets and abilities in mental health or drug area or, you know, you know, different skills in mind. For me, it's just taking them skating and hanging out So as a studying accountant and just being really consistent. And I really, when I look back, I really look like, it's almost like being like a substitute dad to a lot of these kids as an 18-year-old to 14-year-olds. And it was like a real... Almost uh, a lot of these kids came from very dysfunctional families and breakdowns and also a lot of drug and alcohol in the mix there too. So it's almost like in there, you know, being a, a pseudo parent when you look back at it, where I was just mm. being a mate. But again, they were really, you know, longing for that acceptance outside of the drugs and alcohol, outside of that risky behaviour they are in. And, uh, well, you know, and look, some... Uh, with us anymore. Some are in jail, but some are now plasterers that have, own three houses and, and doing amazing things. And I think that uh, it's really, you know, you, you can only do what you can, but so I think, but I've got a philosophy in life. Doing something's always better than nothing. And I think if everyone just does one thing, that's huge impact. And I think, you know, I... Yeah, so it's also about learning how to share, you know, share. And, and I think that as, gee, we're so blessed in our nation and you look at other other countries and we've got so much and it's about just taking a little bit of what we have and giving it to someone else and it just makes incredible impact, credible difference. And it doesn't cost us a lot no, sometimes. And like it's, it's fun. Just, that's yeah. the thing. It's fun. <laughs> so yeah, it being, pays back to you Yeah, as being well. about yourself sucks. That's just, that's just, <laughs> that's just you're being a selfish git is ordinary. But when you learn how to do something for others, it actually does more for you than anything else too. And that, that's not my motivation, but the, the kickback on that is amazing, you know, and that's a, it's a great way to live too is uh, being about others and not about yourself. So you started with these skateboarding clubs. Um, Red Frogs, and you were saying before, has been around your, in your 21st year. Yeah. So that's a, that's a long time. That's, yeah, when you hit 21, that's a big milestone. Yeah, absolutely. Where did it evolve from those kind of skating skating groups, clubs? Yeah, well, when you, when you are running sort of youth clubs for young kids, you get pretty attached to them and, and you do care about them. And then when they got to year 12, the ones that made it to 12, they went to schoolies week down the Gold Coast. And I actually did two schoolies weeks myself. I repeated year 12 so I could do two. Uh, but when I went back down, like they, my boys were going down and I just knew what it was like back in the day. I just knew that you know, the five years of work I put into these boys could be blown out in a week mm. just with the drugs and alcohol and predators and one-punch stuff. And I was just going, I was a bit concerned for them. But the boys rang and said, girls, come visit us, come visit us, we're down at schoolies. So I went down and I was just blown away. I hadn't been in years and I was just walking around, surface going, what is going on? 30,000 on the Gold Coast and like kids hanging off verandas and full tinnies of VB coming off buildings and chairs coming off buildings and guys doing nudie runs past you and, and stuff. I was driving down the main road and this bottle hit the wheel of my car as I was driving and oh, I was just going, this is this Chaos. is nuts, going crazy. And then um, but I went to visit my boys and um, at, at Surface what they do is uh, issue a photo ID to every schoolie so they can't party crash each other's units and they have – lockdowns of security guards and and I went to visit my boys in this building but the security guard wouldn't let me in and and uh, I didn't understand that you needed ID and so I was I was a bit ticked at that I was actually pretty spewing because I was arguing with this big unit going mate I, I'm a youth worker I know what my boys are doing in your building I can do far more good up in those rooms and out in the footpath but he wouldn't budge and I was a bit ticked spewing, but not at him. I sort of went down the road and went, yeah, you think you're tough, mate, then legged it, you know. <laughs> but but I went to the, I said I said again that that sort of bit of mongrel in me goes, no, no, not the right answer. So the next day I went to the hotel manager and said, look, do you want to hand it schoolies week 
And she goes, how much? I said, no, 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 free. I sort of volunteer at my local church and bring some of my church mates down to help. And she goes, oh, that sounds fantastic. She goes, come into my office. Makes me like cups of tea and scones. And I think it's all right, like free food and stuff. And then she goes, um, how many of your friends can come down and help? I said, yeah, we're a pretty big organisation. We'll probably get a few. And just to give you an idea for those that don't know much about schoolies, like back in the day, like her building was like 417-year-olds in her building and every room there was more alcohol and grog stacked up than you could chuck your nana at. Mm. And there was more other substances flying around you care to mention and like two security guards and one hotel manager trying to keep a lid on 400. And it's I was a huge just, amount of pressure, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And you think about like... Five teenagers sleeping over your house for a day and what that's like. And yeah. so they were just freaking out going, man, we need help. So then we then um, uh, brought, you know, teams down and we just started crashing parties, just going floor to floor, helping kids and uh, walking them home late at night and finding them passed out in stairwells and getting back to the units and keeping off those verandas when they were drunk and pulling all the chairs from the side so they weren't leaning over them and ledge walking and, just doing those real practical things, which the managers loved. And mm. uh, then, then year after year, just more buildings have invited us back every year so, to what we're at now. And tell me the story about where the red frogs came from, because that's a really fascinating story as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, we're having, in our first year, we're having trouble sort of tell, explaining to the kids who we were, because we had event shirts on. Our program name was called Hotel Chaplaincy back in the day. And you rock up to the room and they go, who are you? And they just and you just spend ten minutes trying to talk. No, we're official with the building, da da da. And then eventually you get in the party just to hang out and make sure everyone's safe. But I went to my mate Lukey. I said, "Oh, it's got to be an easy way of doing this, mate." Went down the local corner store in this little side alley at Cabal Mall. There was a big box of these Allen's Red Frogs just sitting there. So we grabbed this whole box of frogs and we just legged it back up to this unit. We just jumped in the lift and went, oh, yeah, any, any floor will do. Ding, as it opens, empty beer cans are everywhere. Went, yeah, they're in this floor. Walk out, music absolutely cranking through a door down the hallway. Knock on this door, little schoolie opens up and goes, who are you? I said, oh, Hotel Chaplaincy. He goes, Hotel what? I said, Hotel Chaplaincy. He goes, Hotel Security? I said, no, mate, do you want a red frog? He goes, oh, that'd be awesome, man, come in. He go, we got frogs. <laughs> and they just start mugging us for these red frogs and he gets on the phone to his mate's unit downstairs going, we got frogs. And they're coming up from downstairs and I'm standing here in this massive party going, these lollies are amazing. So just a <laughs> the tip, gateway yeah, to the conversation. All those parents out there that have told their kids don't take lollies from children, yeah, it's not getting through too much, that one. <laughs> But then we, uh, so I went, got on the phone at work and said, buy the gold out of Red Frogs. Went to every uh, Woolies, Coles, Campbell Cash and Carry out at Narang and we got 80 kilos of these Red Frogs. And they just got straight into all these parties that we couldn't get into. And so I went through 80 kilos in our first year and then the next year it was 45 workers and 220 kilos and the next year 440 kilos, 880, <laughs> then 1.2 tonne. Now, 24 tonne through all our programs, wow. through festivals, unis, sports and stuff. So it was very accidental branding. And then that uh, about seven years in, the frog brand got so strong, it just, it just uh, we had to call all our programs out in unis and board riders, red frogs. So it's been a branding given to us by the students themselves. That's stuck. So yeah. whether we, we could have been the Chico Baby crew or something, I don't know, <laughs> or milk bottle crew. Smarties or they, yeah, 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 absolutely. But what an in to, to start those conversations. Do you have a direct line with Alan's now or do you? Yeah, <laughs> do no, you we do. Alan's, uh, Alan's have been sensational. Uh, they donate all those frogs yeah, now amazing. for us and to help uh, with the holy berries in our university programs, with our worker shirts and, and just an amazing company. Uh, yeah, so there's no other confectionery line that saves more lives in their uh, in their line. So they, they absolutely love it. Yeah. There must be so many stories over the 21 years um, that you've kind of connected with, whether it's the youth that you've sat down and had conversations with or, you know, how your volunteers have kind of grown um, and the programs that you've grown. Is there any that come to mind? Is there any kind of stories that when you think of the, the impact mm. that Red Frogs has been able to have that uh, that really, I guess, sits with you? Yeah, look, there's many, many every year, every event, uh, the, the emails and Facebook messages 
come in these amazing stories of our, our froggers being in the right place at the right time and just in that right floor, the right building, the right room at the right time, just to intervene just in time. And we often talk about frogs, about being the fence at the top of the cliff, not the ambos at the bottom. So our thing's about getting there early and early intervention is our thing. Uh, so we create less work for the ambos, less work for drug arm, less work for rosies, less work for salvo rehabs. So if we can get there early enough, we can cut things off real early. And so that's really one of our real uh, some mantras or something like that. Um, but d- definitely probably uh, the last probably eight to five years and through our journeys, probably the met around the mental health and particularly when, uh, you know, young people go through really big times and, and leaving school is uncertain of where you're going in your future. And when you drink too much and maybe the girlfriend or boyfriend gives you the flick at schoolies and you're sitting on a balcony at, at three in the morning, not feeling too good, uh, having the right person at the right time to intervene it is amazing and those stories every year are just incredible and and just absolutely you know hairs on the back of your neck stand up mm, type stuff I've and goosebumps just yeah. thinking about that and there's probably not a parent listening that just goes oh, i to yeah. have someone there in that moment yeah it absolutely so powerful so yeah we have our red frog hotline which gets over ten thousand calls every year and uh you know some of the stats and that's amazing they intervened with uh, 576 alcohol intoxes last year in schoolies and 89 drug and alcohol-related ones and 83 mental health and then 50 uh, suicide ideations last year, guys, got to. But in saying that too, we're doing a lot more education high schools. We talked to about 54,000 year 12s before they get there and we're saying, hey, if your mate's struggling, if your mate's not doing too well, ring someone, talk to someone. Yeah. You're doing them a favour by actually giving us a ring and letting us know. And so that those 50 calls was actually a good thing because we're actually getting there early enough and we've actually seen a, a reduction in the last three years in particular of the actual attempts, which is amazing, and due to mates looking after mates. And our biggest thing in our high school education is never leave a mate alone, never leave a mate behind, and, and it's, it's you are the eyes and ears for your mate. And it's about, you know, li- li- t- listen to what they're saying, talk about what's going on and then seek help together. And uh, they're great tips beyond blues. We've been doing a lot of training. Uh, we've got a lot of information off them and, uh, you know, of course, Headspace and Reach Out, amazing institutions. But I think young people these days are, are more open than my generation. They're talking more, which is sensational. So I think getting out of the dark place is really important. And just that first step to talk to someone, first step is difficult. But once you do that, you're 50% of the way there. You really break that thing and you start that journey, get the wheels in action, which is amazing. But it's great uh, the Froggers have been there to be that bridge between uh, the two uh, lands, if you say. Sometimes that gap's a bit too big to bridge. And we find by the Froggers just being there and hanging out and playing copious amounts of Uno up in those hotel rooms and making over 100,000 pancakes with their random acts of pancakes in those (laughs) hotel rooms and through all the frogs, it just breaks that ice and breaks those barriers down where... Uh, yeah, young people can access, you know, and get a, at least a pathway uh, to to uh, get help. And to see that talking's okay, that my world's not going to open up, my world's yeah. not going to change. And I guess for any parents or aunties and uncles or just supporting friends listening that might have young people, just some of those practicalities of never mm. leave a mate, <laughs> yeah. talk to your friends, yeah. ring someone. There's so many helplines. Yeah. Um, and so many, and you mentioned, yeah, Beyond Blue and Headspace. And, and Lifeline. And, Lifeline probably is our best uh, resource in, in our top number mm. uh, to give life. And Lifeline have really cool people you talk to. They're amazing. They're legends. Like, uh, mm. And they're very, very good at what they do. And it's like this, we're, we're funny eh, as Aussies. We, we'll go to, you know, get uh, uh, coached, you know, in, in sport, no worries. We'll get coached in business, no worries. We'll get coached in finance, no worries. When it comes to coaching on our emotional state, no, we're right, mate. No, you're not. Pull fed, pull, you know, <laughs> bring someone, have a chat. So it's about being coached. About You yeah. want to go who's good. And, yeah. and if you suck at that area, you need to find someone who's good at it and get better at it and how you think and how you process and, you know, it's, it's a good thing. So we have mandatory debriefing for, for major incidents in frogs now and we've learned in our processes we didn't back in the day but we're just sort of getting, trying to get better and better at, you know, debriefing our teams and 
you know, not not taking on too much weight. I think we can take too much on ourselves that isn't us to carry sometimes. And, you know, there, there's things that we definitely have to deal with and work through. But there's a lot of times in our head we can blow things up a lot bigger than what they really are. I think we need others in there to coach us through how to process and how to do things. And not saying there's some really big trauma. I'm not disregarding really big things. And that's where you really do need coaches. You really do need those life coaches and psychologists and counsellors that are highly skilled in how to journey. And it is a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And it is tough going to start with, but it gets a little bit better and a little bit better. And you get a little bit stronger. But also the amazing thing is really crappy stuff that that I've seen, you know, happen to people. Then they, they once they journey through and, and do well through it, they then help others. Mm-hmm. And that helping others is such a rewarding thing. And, and realising that even though this really terrible thing has happened, you know, to be able to help others now too, once I've journeyed through that, is is such a, a blessing. So there's so many legends in our team that have been through some really tough journeys and, and as part of that team I've seen them help many, many people through that journey, which is an amazing thing. It's almost that ripple effect that if you mm. can find meaning sometimes in some of the most horrendous yeah. circumstances, that's what helps you to keep going. Yeah. What helps you to keep going? So 21 years on, obviously this has been a, a deep heart passion mm. thing for you, but what helps you to keep going? Yeah, definitely. Oh well, for me, definitely my my um my my faith's a big thing. Like I think for me, um you know you I guess finding your why you do what you do too. And there's a lot of different whys for me. Um, I think uh, I just love it. Like my big thing is you got to. I think one of the keys of froggies and learning how to help others and do stuff to others is you got to also do stuff you love. So I love skateboarding. So we have a skate park that we run and we do skate tours and have a whole skateboarding movement called Red Frog Board Riders. I love parties. So we crash parties and look after people in, in university parties and schoolies weeks. So I love festivals. So we have festive frogs that help, you know, people in music festivals. I have a great time there and, um, people that are struggling a bit, you know, in those places to make sure they get the help they need as well, you know. Uh, it's about doing stuff you love, you know. It's about really being passion-driven mm-hmm. uh, and then also – and it's really the ones also what probably keeps us doing all the grind work because there's a lot of work now once something gets big. There's a lot of organisational structure and trademarking, risk assessments and, and all, you know, the government's not making it easier to do good and making it a lot harder to do good. Uh, but, but you know, a lot of that is necessary to, to safeguard what you want to do if you do want to grow big or grow more than what you're doing. But in that, you got to still find your why and it's all about the one. It's all about that one kid that we pulled off a veranda last year. That's worth it. And you've got to always come back to not not get uh, blown out by the challenge or, you know, uh, you know, lack of resources or the challenge you're facing, but it's why are you doing it? And that why will drive you through. And you've got to have your whys. But it needs to be personal. It needs to be individual as well. And each one of our workers is, has, you know, different drivers, different passions on reasons on, you know, why they do what they do. But it's important to find your why, I think. It's really important. And be able to come back to that pretty yeah, regularly, absolutely. imagining. Yeah. On a really practical level, even when you're um, connected with that why and passionate lit up, you've still got to have the energy to keep turning up. Mm. And um, as you said before, we jumped on mic. You've had a massive week last week. You're up <laughs> to three a.m.s doing, yeah. um, you know, all the help that you do. So practically, mm. how do you keep having that energy to kind of keep turning up? Particularly if you are going yeah. to these parties. If you're, yeah. <laughs> you said you've got thirteen now yeah, on yeah, staff, yeah. Yeah. Um, as well as a whole gamut of volunteers and other. Yeah people like government boards that you now have to report to in a whole range of different things. So you wear multiple hats. Absolutely. How do you keep having that energy to turn up? Yeah, great. I think when I was at school many moons ago, I was a long distance runner and not a sprinter. And I think that helps me because it's a long journey, not a short sprint. And I think you've got to pace yourself. I think in a a long distance, if you go out too hard, you just will burn out and you'll just come last. But if you can pace yourself and depending on the, the, the hills and, and stages of the race, the whole thing, then you'll finish really well. So I think it's about pacing yourself and 
and preparing well and also debriefing well as well after and, and de-stressing after events as well. So I think for me, I've learned the art of power naps, the power naps in the Arvo. If I know I've got a big party, a big night coming up, to get that hour in is gold. I think food is a big thing too and, and smashing like leading in, smashing your, your shakes, and your, your, sorry, your, um, your smoothies and the, I love spinach, you know, spinach and chia seeds and getting my smoothie, berry smoothie going, your juices and uh, that's really important too, your sleep and food and not just living off your, your energy drinks and, and just coffee alone. I love coffee. I think it's awesome. <laughs> but again, it's about really preparing yourself physically. But also if you're tired, you do dumb stuff. If you're tired, stuff gets to you. And I think sometimes you got to learn, no, no, I'm just tired. You need to sleep and get your sleep in order and do that as well. But also my family is a massive base. So I've got three kids and great wife and, and uh, you know, that family unit is, needs to be strong and needs to spend time in that and, and probably a discipline as I've gotten busier, I just make sure I at least have one day off a week, one day that your tools are down, you know, not taking calls. Uh, it's just uh, my time with uh, the family and kids and there's many other times in the week where that is the case and, you know, you're out playing mini golf, going for a skate, took my boys to the footy last night, see the Broncos win, how good's that, <laughs> Queenslander. Uh, and you do all those things but in it you've got to have that switch off time. You've got to have that just where you've got to take the, the, the out of gear and put it into neutral because if you keep in gear the whole time, you will burn out. And I think for very driven people, very people who are pioneering, they just burn out because they're in gear the whole time. You've got to at least get out of gear. And I think at least that, that sometime, those little gaps in your week, you've got to take that downtime when you can get it. I love that sense because you're right, people who are, are driven, ambitious, and particularly if you are so connected to the why, there's just more mm. and more work to do, right? Yeah, there's more always. and more places that you can be. There's yep. more and more people that you can turn up to. Um but really just going, what is it, where can I actually take that lever off? Is that day off the same each week or is that different each week? Yeah, look, it's uh, Mondays for me is my, my day off because weekends are pretty busy and Monday nights. And if I don't get that, then I just change it up. So mm. for this week, um, I've got Tuesday, Wednesday off because my anniversary coming up. And so I'm, I'm going to work Monday, which is very unusual because I've, then I've got two days off after that so but again it's about then you can't and there's times where that's not the case and and say for schoolies it's a good two and a half weeks straight university o week another couple of weeks straight uh there's also some times like rio week this week's another week straight but then it's about uh getting a routine so after schoolies i have five weeks off so the kids know oh dad's not around much because schoolies but that means holiday time soon mm -hmm. and then they have, we have five weeks with dad down to the beach every day and going to see Big Bash and everything like that. So again, it's about planning your year well as well. And, and so when, and also with my wife too, if I know I'm coming up to a real busy thing, I'll, I'll take her out heaps, you know, we'll go see, you know, Gold Class movies, hit some cafes and that. And I'll take her out to the point she goes, I don't want to go anymore. <laughs> okay, great, job I achieved. I won't see you for three weeks. <laughs> great, 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 I don't want to go anymore, you know, like it's, uh, you know, yeah. we've gone out so much. And so you got to pay it forward. you got to... And don't forget your family. Don't forget the important ones around you. You know, you can get so caught up in the the driven, the why and the thing that if you get it's actually it's about people. It's and and your closest ones around you you need to spend time with. But it's also this that when you get busy, you don't have heaps of time, but it's the power of little things, you know. Like half an hour kicking the footy in the backyard is better than nothing. Uh, you know, an hour taking them to mini golf or, or even uh, for me, I'm very blessed in my job where uni students are nocturnal so I can be home and have dinner and watch Amazing Race and, you know, House Rules and, you know, whatever shows we're watching and stuff with the kids and then I head out about 9.30, So, But it's about you really got to uh, not neglect what's closest to you and really so in, even in little things. And half an hour a week is better than nothing, you know, in little ways in yeah. the, with the individuals. And, and learning the power of little is a big, big uh, help for me. I love that. So just what is, what's the little thing I can do and yeah. be really present yeah. for that at Absolutely. this point in time. I want to talk to you because obviously being a youth worker, I haven't been in this, this um, kind of field for over 20 years. 
I want to talk to you a little bit about the language that we often use for our young people. And um, I actually was listening to a podcast and I can't remember who who it was, um, but they were talking a lot about um, young people and youth and teenagers and particularly the books that are on the shelves around teenagers and how most books have the word survival in them. <laughs> so almost painting this picture that this is awful time and we just have to survive it and get through it. Um, and the podcast I was listening to was really countering that and just going, mm. we have to be so mindful of the language mm. that we use. Um, I mean, any, every adult's been through that phase. We've all been teenagers before. We know what it's like. And it's actually a really um, beautiful time mm. in a lot of ways. They are, you know, this is a time to find out who am I? Um, mm. How do I test the boundaries? How, what limits am I pushing? My brain, you know, from a neuroscience mm. point of view, we know brains are changing. They're absolutely mm. much more, um, you know, prone to risk mm. and, uh, you know, seeing how things kind of work and, and it's almost how can we actually set up a parameter where there are challenges and where um, young people and youth can take risks mm. but in a way that's not going to be detrimental to their health yeah. um, or not going to hurt other people. Yeah. What's Having worked in that industry for mm. 20 years, yeah. how do we need to change the conversation mm. around how we speak about young people and youth? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's a that's a really, really good point too. And can I just rave about this young generation coming through? Like schoolies was probably the healthiest we've done in the best we've done in twenty years. They're just drinking less. Our stats in alcohol intoxes have dropped in the last three years uh, quite considerably. And they're just looking after each other better. And there's some great, great young leaders coming through and a great generation coming through. But all you see in the media is the negative stuff. All you see is this, oh, ice epidemics and drugs. And yes, there is. And yes, there's some real dangers in that. And for us in our language, we do identify the dangers because you do need that bit of fear factor to say this is not a good place to go. And you need to have the reality of that. But also they have you've got to speak so much positivity in life and and, and just encourage them that, hey, you're doing really good. You're actually killing it, you know. Compared to our generation, you guys are far better. Back in our day, you'd let Jono sleep it off on the beach <laughs> and cover him with sand and draw him with Nico. But now they're picking Jono up, walking him to the first aid tent, sitting with him for three hours and then walking him home. Yeah. Back in our days, oh, you reckon my night. But now it's, no, I want to look after you. So there's a real shift, yeah. real social justice, uh, real passion in this generation and looking after others is really high. So there's so much positive stuff and we hear stats of, you know, oh, you know, one out of eight do this or one out of four. Well, we know, well, seven out of eight don't do that and four out of five don't do that. They're actually making great decisions and they're doing great decisions how, this way, and this is how you don't make that 1% of bad decisions. So I think, I think we need to balance it out. I think it's very true. Language uh, builds culture and language builds that environment and we need to speak a lot more positively this generation than more negatively. And to hear from some of those leaders, I think, within, within the, um, our young leaders, you know, some of those youth leaders, where, where are you seeing um, platforms for some of those voices to come through? Yeah, look, social media is amazing. Like you can become a legend overnight. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to be discovered by an agent <laughs> or a TV thing. You, you know, you have so many platforms now where there's so many, uh, you know, heroes in their own bedrooms coming through, uh, which is great. You know, it's great. They, they have their own expression, their own voice and, and um, their own language now, which is amazing. And I think it's about uh, really tapping into that and but also – the uh, next generation up needs to use our wisdom to maybe guide it a little bit, but not not kill it, not control it, but just really look, hey, look, these are some of the mistakes I made, you know, and get around some of these young guys. And and uh, I think that, that mentoring is a really big thing and being available for the next generation is also a big thing. There's some amazing business people out there, amazing entrepreneurs, but, you know, how accessible are they? You know, how accessible are they to these next generation? I think, you know, with success comes responsibility. And uh, I think that, you know, it's about, you know, sharing is caring and we need to, you know, open our doors a bit more to be a bit more 
accessible for for a young generation coming through because there are some unbelievable leaders. Like every time I do a university event, schoolies event, and festivals, you meet these young dudes and they're doing far more than what I did at that age. They're just absolute guns. You think, geez, these guys are going to be world changers. But um, and innovators and amazing just to shape our future. So it's a and I think that's another thing for me. Just being you know seeing that is so you know stoked to be a part of that journey is is a real privilege. Comes back to what you said right at the start around is that um, we're here to serve other people. <laughs> like it's mm. not about yeah. doing that for ourselves. So even as business owners, or if you're listening, you're a leader in a in a um, organisation. Have a think about who yep. you might be able to mentor, support, invite in, yep. encourage. And I'm not talking about for me. It's like you know, if I'm really honest, most of the week is all about me and what I'm doing but then it's about looking at those little opportunities where it can be about others. Now I've built to the stage where a lot of my work's all about others but to start with it's about well maybe do one hour a month and maybe just start with maybe maybe two half an hour a fortnight or it could be how do I do at least something and I think that um, you know, with froggies and what we do, yeah, a lot of my week is about others now, but it didn't start like that. It was all about, well, I was really honest back in the day, it was all about my career, my accounting, but as I just did three hours a week, just looking after skaters, week after week, month after month, sort of grew the pathway for what I'm doing now. But I think everything big starts small. And I think that the power of small things, again, you know, you don't, and to challenge yourself, you know, take yourself out of your comfort zone, you know, don't don't get so stuck in habitual routines, you know, you need to get outside of your world occasionally and, and see what's going on. What's the next challenge for you? Well, it's really whatever comes in our inbox every day. It's like different countries. I mean, we've got froggies in, you know, through Canada now and through mm-hmm. Wales, Scotland, England and all through New Zealand, South Africa, but in Malaysia, we've got a sister program. We're helping mentor in the States through frat houses. And, um, yeah, it's just your different countries approaching us all the time and, and on our university programs and different things. So it's just an adventure. The stuff chases us all the day. But I'd love to do support, uh, I guess, the defence personnel in our country a bit more, look at how we can support them through Red Frogs and their, uh, you know, when they're off base uh, type celebrations and how we can get around that and, uh, probably looking at a whole range of more education and high schools. We're doing a lot more uh, after parties now uh, where uh, at school level, uh, year 10s, 11s, 12s, after rugby carnivals, formals and balls, we'll all head out to a property or someone's house and we're doing uh, random knacks of pancakes, you know, late night, midnight pancakes for them, just putting food in and water, having at least someone there that can look after them in those big party scenes. So the after parties are a huge growth area of froggies and uh, yeah there's so many different areas but again everything big starts small and it's all about just getting little momentum so uh, yeah there's always new adventures for sure. It must be stretching even your concept of what's possible for this organisation when you start to talk about international and where things are going often um, where we see something going it's only limited by our own mindset. (laughs) Yeah true. So has that happened for you where you it's it's bigger than anything you'd ever thought or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. It blows me away. Like I, I don't often think about um, its scope because it's, um, it, for me, it's all about little and it's all about the individual, but it's just amazing how big it's grown. But I probably learned early that you can do anything you want in life if you include others and that it's not about me anyway. So it's about others and, and it's about for schoolies, I haven't had to run that program in about 12 years. I've got some young young guys that just charge it and run that. A uni's program, I had to, haven't had to run that in eight years. I've got again great, great young leaders doing that. Our board riders program, I have to run that in years two. I've got a great leader that does that. So it's about you can do anything if you include others. And same with schoolies. We couldn't do that by ourselves. We need uh, Department of Communities. We need Rosie, Volunteer Gold Coast. We need... Uh, AMBOs, drug arm, uh, you know, police, uh, we, and together you can have a red-hot crack at something. But by yourself, you'll get owned. By yourself, you, you absolutely get smashed. So I think early on alert, oh, I can't do this by myself. I don't have the skills. I don't have, uh, you know, I have a limited skill set. So then I need others. Then I learn to value others. And I think that it's uh, when you do that, it's, you know, you can do anything really. So because it's not about you and as a team you can achieve a lot. For you personally, um, thinking forward in the next 12 months, what's something that's scaring you but you know it's on your your horizon? 
Um, yeah, probably a global expansion. I reckon um, probably the uh, the different countries in um, uh, so probably in South America, which we're expanding in, probably even in Middle East, a uh, whole range of different um, countries that that have the potential for our program. But, but then, how to do that in in like you know how do you secure you know the 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 trademarks or the 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 program in those cultures and then how does it adapt and and so then how do you finance that as well so probably uh the finance side of is always the a bit of a challenge uh you need to have an accountant yeah so. yeah, well, yeah pretty pretty ordinary one but uh yeah yeah um the, yeah. but again but yeah probably how are we going to set this up yeah, yeah probably how how that sets up but but I know just through experience that well, you just have a go. And I love that about Aussies. Just have a crack, work it out as you go. So we're very much have a go, then you learn. Yeah. So things. You have you been able, I've got to ask a question, have yeah. you been able to find red frogs in other countries? No, Aussie is the only one that has it. So we have to ship them over to those right. countries. And in South Africa, they've got a lolly manufacturer to make a version of themselves because uh, uh, that's what you do in South Africa. So, um, so yeah, a lot of times we have to ship them over. Uh, we'll have our red frog mules carry them over uh, through airports. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but but uh, but again, uh, Alan's have been sensational in in uh, in their support and and also uh, with what what they you know put in the hands of our volunteers everywhere too. So, which has been amazing. But yeah, definitely no, we we really want to get those lollies everywhere. We could launch that product globally quite easily. Yeah, I know. Alan's, Free marketing. You could Free imagine marketing. they they yeah. definitely want to support you Absolutely. in all of that to get into all yeah. of those countries. Look, I want to come full circle. It's been such a delight to chat with you and finish up with um, a question that I ask every guest. The name of this mm. podcast is called Standout Life. When you hear that term, what does it mean to you to live a standout life? Doing your 1% as well. Uh, doing those little things um every day well there's little opportunities every day that come your way that people ignore or don't see and they're little opportunities for greatness through little things and uh, through some random homeless guy you could buy a, a burger for or through some person you could uh, say some kind words to through that person you might Facebook and uh, to just encourage him on something or just doing little thing in the workplace, doing the things no one else wants to do in the workplace, doing those little one percenters really sets you apart from from the from the pack, and, and it also creates a pathway and stepping stones to to bigger things and, and greater things. So, uh, doing your little things really well and doing consistently, and, and that you know, uh, that, and that stands out. That 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 life then starts to mean more than just your world. Anything that can get outside your world is a good thing. Any pathway how you can do that is an amazing thing. So, uh, yeah, people that are really good at doing little things to me is the first thing I think of when you say that. Awesome. Thank you for doing the little things and thanks for coming in for a chat. Yeah, great. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed today's episode, then there's every chance that you might also enjoy reading a copy of my book called Stand Out, a real world guide to get clear, find purpose and become the boss of busy. You can grab a copy by heading to my website, www.alisonhill.com.au. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd love it if you could take a few moments, pop over to iTunes and give this podcast a quick rating so that we can continue to share these conversations with people around the world. As always, I'm Ali Hill and this is Standout Life.